Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Hi, I'm Phil Vickery, and you're listening to the Mall Over Podcast. Hello, good evening and welcome to this week's Mall Over podcast, the only rugby podcast that gives you all the news, views and opinion on the weekend's rugby action, all with a West Country accent. You can find us on Twitter, we are at Mall Over Podcast, we are Mall Over Rugby Podcast on Facebook, and you can find all of our podcasts on most of your well-known podcatchers. Um, we like to talk a bit about, about, about oh, Jesus fucking Christ, every week now I can't get it right, can't do it, it's an abortion, sorry about that. you're an idiot. Thanks. Well, as you well know, then, uh, that's the Lensman. He's here, somewhere equidistant between Man- Liverpool and Leeds. Um, tucking into a chicken dance sack. And, yeah, you uh, might be able to hear that. I make no apology. And, and drinking some Pepsi. Um, I'm also joined by nicest man in Cornish Rugby Podcasting, who looks to have on my that, screen that, some kind of job. Giant... getting narrower every week, isn't it? It was yeah. the nicest man in podcasting. Now it's the nicest man in Cornish podcasting. And he and he looks like he's got a massive phallus just dangling above his head. <laughs> he does. Yeah. It's a it's a sock it's a sock puppet. Oh, it's a sock puppet. Yeah, it's a unicorn. Ah, oh, lovely. Um, I hear congratulations are in order, Ben. You've got yourself a new a new puppy. Yeah, Duke. He's a Springer Spaniel. He's thirteen weeks old, and he's got very sharp teeth. Hmm. For a minute. Um, and Doug, you've uh, let's say you've got yourself um, a chicken dance sack. Yeah. And no Phil tonight. He's busy tearing Vodafone a new asshole um, because he tried to come on and we couldn't hear him, so we banished him to uh, the Cornish countryside um, to you know deal why with he his gets internet. Shit internet, right? Because he lives in the asshole of nowhere. No, it's because of all the housewives frantically trying to WhatsApp him. <laughs> Relentlessly WhatsApping the housewife's favourite. Can I just make a, a, an impassioned plea? Like, you know, one of those um, sort of African adverts, you know, Mapazela can't drink clean water. Just one pound a month will help build a well. Like, I'll give, 
we should make an appeal, just one pound a month to all these housewives, to get them just to leave Phil alone for a bit <laughs> of the podcast. <laughs> all we want is Phil on the podcast, which I'm sure is what everybody wants. Um, uh, less, less of me. And, and uh, uh, he's on his way to Vodafone shop in Truro, isn't he, to go full on Michael Douglas in falling down. Oh. Call me a cynic, but I'm guessing, and it's only a guess, mind, but at 20 to 9 on a Monday night, Vodafone in Truro is not open. <laughs> Mate, you, you could go there at fucking 25 to 11 in the morning. Vod- <laughs> because let me tell you one thing, Vodafone in Truro doesn't exist. <laughs> is it not? Just say, I don't old, know, mate. It's you doubtful, old, uh, it? you got old Steve that works in Vodafone in, in uh, I, I thought you were going to come in at 10 to 12, mate. That's why you weren't there. <laughs> <laughs> he, he doesn't get up very early because he has to pull pints in Weatherspoons. <laughs> he's making breakfast till midday. <laughs> he just he just he just does Vodafone from the corner from the little serving hatch. <laughs> Weatherspoons and Vodafone. Um other mobile operators are available. And crap uh, pubs. And crap, yeah, crap cheap gone off beer pubs. Um I went into the uh the the, the Weatherspoons in Bristol is called the WG Grace. And for some reason, I thought that would make it slightly classier than your average Weatherspoons. Um, but I, I should have known when I got there, and it was just called the W Race. <laughs> was, oh, all, uh, the G, all the Gs are gone. Yeah, it just, <laughs> just, just needed a good pressure wash, if I'm honest. Not for the first time. Yeah. Um, before, before we start talking about any rugby whatsoever, and you'll be pleased to know there isn't too much of that this week. Um, I just wanted to say a huge uh, go well soon to uh, Phil Ben and I's friend and rugby coach Daryl Mares. Uh, you may have seen on the news, like I had loads of messages from across rugby and in general about a, uh, a police officer in Newquay who was involved in a in a pretty serious incident at the back end of last week. Um, unfortunately, that was uh, Daryl, who was one of the coaches for a long time at, at Rugby Hornets, in Rugby Hornets, in Newquay Hornets, and his son Josh, who is. Uh, quite a prevalent player in the Hornets now, isn't he? He's decent as well, isn't he? Yeah, he's a very good player, yeah. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, he was involved in an incident with with some Bulgarian geezer who was sleeping rough and uh, for all intents and purposes, basically set Daryl on fire. Um, and I, for one, know how painful that is. So I, uh, our thoughts and, and feelings go out to, to Daryl and his family and Josh and, and that. And um, I'm sure the rugby... Uh, community would all wish Daryl well and uh, yeah, get well soon and, and hopefully he'll be back on the on the rugby field or in and around the Nuki Hornets uh, at some point very soon. Um, let's let's talk a little bit about rugby. Let's start off with, with some positive stuff because we talked the other week when we last when we last got together about how moribund the Premiership was since its return and how poor it's been and, and how uninspiring it's been. Um, needless to say, you know, the prime example being yesterday, which was probably probably less players that would have been involved in an A-League game for Saracens versus Exeter, um, which absolutely nobody uh, paid any attention to whatsoever. I don't even know what the result was. Um, and I don't really care. That's both for you, James and Matt. 
nobody even saw the result and you know Saracens are relegated so uh up yours um positive though uh one of the teams that's come out of the restart in excellent fashion is Bath Ben obviously your your team what has made them so so strong, so good since the restart. Obviously, they were involved in a in a great game at the weekend, probably game of the weekend against the full strength sales side. I think you could see the um, sort of seeds of of the plan that they had before lockdown, which was to get a very strong base up front with the front five, got a very dynamic back row, um, and they they've kept to that plan, um, which has served them in good stead against some of these sort of younger sides um obviously they've added spencer which is a whole new level his his box kicking's brilliant he's he's a complete opportunist and you know i think chudley was a good signing but spencer's just probably one of the best signings of the year um and they've just i don't think they've put out as a, a as weakened a side as as a lot most of the other teams we've seen you know against worcester it was a closer to a second team but you still had um you know mercer you still had the strong front five stook people like that um so you know they haven't put out a fully weakened side i think they really want to go for the the top four um and they've, they've played some good rugby and they've started to score tries um you know mcconaughey's on pretty hot form and um they're just generally playing really well but that that game against sale it was it was a proper game of rugby it was two sides picked to win and 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 it was a pretty ding dong affair. Two two brilliant back rows, and um, it was really enjoyable to watch. It's interesting to see the, like you say, the the sides that Bath have been putting out. Um, looking at the lineup for, from this this weekend, just gone. Obviously, there was uh, Dunn, Abano, and Will Stewart. I mean, Abano's been getting all sorts of plaudits, but but Tom Dunn and and Will Stewart have been there as well. Um, McNa- Josh McNally, friend of the pod, um, and Charlie Yules. But like you say, you add Elliot Stook into that mix as well. And they seem to have found a way to kind of rotate those three in and out of the um, in and out of the team and add that, add Will Spencer into that as well, who is another solid second. It is Will Spencer, isn't it? Yeah, he came from. He- um, from Leicester, from Leicester yeah. yeah. He, he came on and did really well um, yesterday, actually, um, and got a quite a nasty sort of facial injury. Um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, a, nasty, you know, a nasty gash. Yeah, he did. Yes, very nasty. Um, you know, they've they've got the Glanville and Redpath, who they they've kind of introduced, and and I think Ellis and Reed in the back row. Whenever they've played, they've they've really shown. You know, they've shown up and played really well. Um, so you know it's been quite impressive how they've they've managed to spread the spread the load. Um, that's... It's interesting to like since since Neil Hatley's come in, like since just before like the restart, they seem to have like properly got more of a purpose, got more of a yeah. vision. Because before then... we we were talking a lot about Bath, you know, in the first half of the season being seemingly rudderless and Stuart Hooper being a little bit. Not certainly clueless, but we were questioning the romance of the appointment, a bit like Jordan Murphy at Leicester, um, where 
you know, left to his own devices, you know, albeit a one club man, you know, bath through and through, whether he had the technical capability and know-how to bring the team forward. And what we've seen, you know, evidently with someone like Neil Hatley coming in is that with with a direction and and coaching to suit that direction, actually, you know, someone like Stuart Hooper is a good director of rugby, a bit like, you know, you see Baxter at Exeter with Ali Heffer and, and the likes. Um, and you see it across the Premiership. Doug? Yeah, look, <clears throat> Stuart Hooper has done nothing different. No. He's a good. He, he's considered now to be a good director of rugby because he's got a shitload of world-class players. If Stuart Hooper was dealing with the same dross that is at Leicester at the moment, he wouldn't be a good director of rugby. He's brought in Neil Hatley, who seems to have sorted a few things out. But the top and bottom of this whole situation is the fact that Bath's entire squad is fit. And they've got six or seven England players and they've got three or four other world-class players. So that's why they're better. Fair when, enough. When all's when all said and done with all of these squads in the Premiership, you can all look at their squads on paper and when they're all fit, you know that it's going to be Saracens, Exeter, Bristol, Bath because of the players they've got available to them. I, I think that's fair, but I, what I was saying earlier is that I think he had a, an idea, a bit like a vision for, put it in a poncy way, and I think bringing Hatley in there has, has, has helped. But, you know, Russ is right. It's, he's brought in the right person. Because their their scrum is effective, their line out I think is the best in the league, and the the driving mall is a real danger for everybody. They've scored a lot of tries off it. Um, so and they don't and, and you know they're not dull to watch. It's not like it's just completely forward oriented. They've been they've been pretty decent to watch, and it's nice to see a plan come together. That's what Hannibal Smith said, wasn't it? It did. Can we just talk about that try that Matavisi scored? Against, was it Worcester? The Worcester, night? yeah. yeah. With, the, with the full Tim Eustace dummy and then just <laughs> sat down the defender and went in under the post. I think he oh. surprised even himself. He literally asked him, didn't he? he yeah. He, Rocky the Goonie went, went on a bit of a mazy run and then yeah. like the proper sort of South Island sidestep. And was see you later. I mean, they like say Bath have got that power game um, with the finesse. You mentioned McConaughey, Jonathan Joseph, um, like Redpath has shown glimpses. Oh, they haven't. We haven't seen anything of Rock and the Seager, who's been injured no. still. So, you know, they like Doug. Doug did say when when those squads come together, maybe apart from a few in the uh, in the Premiership, the exception of maybe London Irish. Um, Harlequins don't seem to have as much depth. Um, or uh, Worcester, for instance, whilst they have flashes of good players, they don't have the, the depth. I don't, I don't think, you know, Bristol, you know, when they've, when they've not been putting their first team out, they've, they've been getting a hide in. Um, well, you can just see Bristol now. Obviously, Bristol have gone from being <clears throat> second by quite a, quite a clear margin at, at the restart. Um, they've lost uh, since the restart. They've won four and lost three. So Bristol lost to Exeter, lost to Sale, and then they lost at the weekend to Gloucester uh, to Wasps, which would have been a fun game for you to watch, Ben. Over a hundred points in that game. Uh, well, I, I tell you what, <laughs> I did watch it, and it was it was awful. It was it basically was, a game of touch, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, 
Wasps had got their bonus point within the first 17 minutes. And then after that, I mean, you, you know, there's good tries in a match like that. And, you know, players played well. Malin's played well for Bristol. You've got the Willises. You've got um, Dan Robson's playing really well. Um, but, you know, what are you really learning from that? You know, Bristol put a load of kids out and they got walloped by a good side. You know, it's not... Do you really want to watch that every week? I, I don't think so. I mean, the, the, the big positive for Wasps, I think, was that they gave um, the kid Barberia um, he a looked run. very good, didn't he? Yeah. Um, you know, he, he, the, you know, a couple of those tries were fairly simple, but, you know, he ran a good line for one of them. Um, there was one where he stepped inside and, and beat a player, which was a brilliant try. The, I thought the most impressive one was the one he made at the end where he offloaded out of a tackle. Um, you know, so they'd be really pleased with him. But I think a game like that, because I, I think one of the things Bath have been successful with is, is they've played quite aggressive defence. Um, people like Underhill obviously always hit hard. Um, Joseph's defence has, has been brilliant. Um, you know, he always catches, the, he usually lets the guy sort of think he's got away and then hauls him down. And I think they've defended really well. Um, the only issue I've got maybe there is is there seem to be a few gaps through the 10-12 channel at times, but they they have got that defence that kind of pushes the opposition back. And you question from a lot of these games if, if teams are, are being able to practice that. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, you would you it's it's an interesting one, isn't it? It, it certainly is. And when you say we looked at Bristol, they're sort of sliding down the league at the moment. But it is, it's three teams from four that are going to make the, the top four. Um, pretty standard Austin Healy statement, that wasn't it? Like, mm. state, the, state the obvious. Um, Wasps currently have 61, Bath have 60, Sale have 59, and Bristol have 59. Um, so bonus points are definitely going to come into play but if we look at the fixtures um that are left to play bath have got gloucester at home in the next round of premiership matches and then they are away at saracens in the last round on the 4th of october um whereas wasps they uh are away at harlequins and then at home to exeter now Exeter have already confirmed a home semi-final. And I think, if my maths is correct, that they can't even be caught to be finishing top of the league. So they're definitely going to be first in the league now with two games to play. So I could see a world where with um, with Europe coming up this weekend against Northampton, who we'll come on to in a minute, Doug, and like, the, 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 the strength of the squad they're going to put into that to, to really make a European challenge. Do you think that Exeter could well just mail, basically mail in those two games if required, or, or you know, we've seen how they've performed with a, a squad rotation system and, and Wasps can just walk in through an open door. Um, go on. For the premiership final? No, for the, for the semi-finals to make that top four. So um, sale have got sale have got. Oh, so you're um, saying wasps are second, right? Wasps are second at the moment, and so they top four set, isn't it? No, because Bristol are in fifth at the moment on fifty nine. Sailor on fourth on fifty nine. Bath are in third on sixty, and wasps are in second on sixty one. 
So it's three from those four. Mm. And I was just looking at those fixtures. So, like I say, Bristol... Well, I mean, got... you've you got to think logically about it. Have they, they can, Players can play 180 minutes in a week. They haven't got three games in a, in a week, so they can play every game now until the end of the season. Yeah. Did Pat Lamb throw away that game last week just so that he can play his first-choice side for the rest of the season and guarantee promotion, uh, guarantee top four? But I think ultimately um, <clears throat> I'm finding it hard to really care. <laughs> if I'm <laughs> honest, I, I just... Um, Exeter are going to win the league at a canter. They've done everything they can to try and throw games away and haven't been able to because it would seem that <clears throat> for all that has gone on, Exeter have been putting out their... Everyone that's played Exeter has basically put out a twos team or at worst or worse. So even when Exeter are putting their twos out, they're still stronger than other teams' twos. So they've, they've just been smashing everyone when they run into Saracens and they've basically had their threes out. So it was like fucking Dunstablians midweek 15 on Sunday mate, at the Allianz. Do you honestly see Exeter losing to any of those four teams? Uh, well, even if Bristol are at full strength, it's one of them, and it a one off game at Twickenham. But no, I, I, I genuinely I can't, I can't see it. No, it obviously could that. happen, but yeah, no. No, it would be an upset, put it that way. Agreed. Uh, I just, you know, we go, we can go back to the uh, the value of all this. I don't want to bite the hand that feeds me, but a lot of the rugby we've seen since the restart has been bollocks and um, doesn't, you know, doesn't really show the Premiership in its best light. In my it, really, it really doesn't, as, as a product more than anything. It's... Such all playing all these games, and it's almost worse that they bloody televised them all. Yeah, <laughs> because because it's made it look even worse, even worse than what it was. I mean, most um, of the fixtures I've worked on have been A League games at best. If you turned up to an A League game, you know, you'd be like, okay, well, you know, we've got a few first teamers out, brilliant. But a lot of it's been bullshit, man. A lot of it. Talking of um, bullshit, then uh, let's. Let's have a bit of a chat about Northampton. Um, yeah. They go into this weekend's Champions Cup quarterfinal of Exeter on arguably, uh, well, second from bottom in the form table over the last five games with two points. Uh, next to no fit frontline props. Um, and and lose... did have, even our starting ones were shit anyway. Yeah, and losing to uh, Leicester in the in the East Midlands derby at the weekend. Um, that again, you know, that fixture used to be something that everybody cared about, uh, especially the fans of both these teams. Well, the fans still care about it. Well, nobody, but the players didn't seem to care about it at the weekend. From I, what... I think the the players have phoned it in, and they've phoned, they've phoned it in from the start. We, the amount of penalties we've given away, the amount of turnovers we needlessly create by trying to offload offloads in I'd love to see a league statistic for offloads in the touch because Saints would be top of that by about 50. It's outrageous the amount of just the amount of shit that we're doing. Um we we get on the constantly on the wrong side of the refs. We can't so our scrum's an embarrassment. Leicester Leicester won penalties against our scrum with 13 men. They had Nadolo in there. They had two two backs in the scrum and were turning our scrum over. And we got we got an all black in the front row. 
It's embarrassing. And what about uh... and, and look? I said I said at the time I I love Phil Dowson. It showed me what his qualification is to be coaching front top of the league um, forward packs. What's, what what has he done? Bath bringing Neil Hatley, we bring in Phil Dowson. There's there's a disconnect, you know. Um, we're we're we great when when everything is humming, but the, when you lose the foot, uh, it shouldn't be overlooked how much we're missing Reinach. Yeah, because I think he freezes defence, which creates gaps out wide, which is probably what we're missing. But you know, just the very the the, the fear of him breaking off off of rucks holds three, four players in at the ruck, doesn't it? And the, the worst thing about that is not even starting for Montpellier. It's, you know, it's where scrum halves go to die, isn't it? And I don't know. I just hope he enjoys the paycheck. But it's going to be a long year next year if we don't sort something out with that pack. Because teams just bully us. Are all the, here's a question. So, like, with all the contracts that have been signed, like, I need to get this straight in my own head before, when I'm asked, while I, whilst I'm asking this question, is that, are all the squads for next season kind of the squads we're so, seeing yeah. now? We're not going to yeah. see any any other sort of player movement, are we? Because of all so. these players that have that have moved when their contracts ended in June or no, whatever think, it was. I think this season's basically going to be a continuation of next. And so this is going to be a continuation of this one, I, I, and, and that's a terrifying thought with the absolute shit show that is our front row. Yeah, and the, and looking at it, this is almost like a for a lot of teams like a glorified pre-season, isn't it? Yeah, like loads yeah, yeah. of high intent. Well, I would say high intensity, but what should be high intensity friendly matches in part of a league format that you know should be preparing teams for. For what's to come next season, which will be a bit weird, um, but yeah, it's hard to see how it's going to get any better. No, I can't either. Yeah. I watched that game, and everyone has been rocking up and pumping Leicester, and we oh, r- routine, routinely, and, and we we look so second best. We look second best to one of the worst teams that's ever played in the Premiership, and it's. A real worry compared to where we were pre-lockdown, where we were thinking, bloody hell, we could be, you know, we should be pushing for the Premiership final here. This is an exciting time to be a Saints fan. And now it's, you know, back to Malinder era. Ben? So, um, you mentioned Leicester. Um, Saracens would have caught them by now, wouldn't they? Yeah. If they'd they'd have had the minus 35, um, they would now be... I think they had gone past Leicester. I don't know if uh, Leicester winning the other day changed that, but that doesn't alter the fact that they're, they're pretty close and they will probably go past them. I I wonder if they missed the trick with with Saracens of if they'd gone with that minus thirty five points and stuck with it, it might have livened the season up a bit. You know, if they if they brought a full shooting match to every game, I mean they. They've only Exeter have actually lost less games than Saracens anyway. But, you know, maybe if they'd have let them play the season out at minus 35, then they could have just relegated them anyway if they felt that that was the way to go. Um, maybe it would have given the season a bit more life than uh, than what we've had. 
But we we said this from from the moment that Saracens were relegated, yeah. is that or you know were given the seventy point deduction is that it ended the season for a lot of the teams as a contest mm. because yeah. there was no there's no threat of relegation. So for London Irish, for Leicester, for Worcester, who you know are the bottom three without Saracens, you know the, there's no consequence for them. They, yeah, there's they no, could have there's they, no no, they could have had a good go at the. Um, they could have had a good go at the. Uh, at the what do you call it? The the Champions Cup, maybe if if they were so inclined. But ultimately, they were never going to to get there, were they? And it just shows that you know they are thirty. Worcester are, are twenty seven points off of Bristol in fifth, and a chance of a, a Champions Cup place. It's such an odd little, you know, three-tiered league at the moment, Saracens aside. You know, Leicester, Irish and Worcester, there's four points between them, 28 to 32. Then you've got Gloucester, Northampton and Quinns on 41, 42, 42. And then Bristol, Sale, Bath, Wasps on 59 to 61. And then extra on 73. It's just, the whole league doesn't make any sense. It's, it's inconsequential. I think is probably the best way to describe it. Mm. So it's become uh, a league of even even with a salary cap, it's become a league of haves and have nots, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Which and, is and what it does lead you to question, like the validity of the salary cap. Well, yeah, and who's who's monitoring it? I, I don't know. I you know I'd love to know how Bristol are doing it. I'd love to know how Bath are doing it. I'd love to know how Saracens do it. I'd love to know how Exeter do it because when you look at the squads of teams like Worcester, Leicester, Northampton, Gloucester to an extent, now all the South Africans are gone. Um, it's mismanagement in a way, isn't it? It's almost negligent that if you're in a league with a salary cap, you're not doing what the other teams are doing. I, if Redrada was available... Why wasn't every team in the Premiership trying to get him? Because that's what happened in football. If one of the best players became available in the world, why weren't... Are you telling me Leinster wouldn't want him? Are you telling me that Edinburgh wouldn't want him? Are you telling me like, any of the French the, teams? The Crusaders. Yeah. Or, like, yeah. Where, so where, you know, that must mean that he's on a significant amount of money to come here. But if you're in a salary cap, it shouldn't matter. Because, you know, you can only offer him so much. Well, you know, he, yes, he'll, be, marquee, he'll, be a mar- he'll be a marquee player that sits outside so of that. So Carl Sinclair or Charles Piertau? Well, Pier- you'd think that Piertau and, and Redrada would be the... And Nathan Hughes. Well, yeah, Nathan Hughes would be under the England credits, I'd imagine. Sinclair, would, they would get money... Credit England yeah. credits for him. My, my but you're right, I know what I get. I get what you're saying. Why are Northampton not trying to sign Madrada? Why are Northampton not trying to break the bank to get Carl Sinclair, a player that they desperately could use? Well, because they, they haven't got Steve Lansdowne, I'd imagine. No, but it doesn't matter if you've got a billionaire owner. You can only spend so much, Russ. <sighs> and I know we, I know, look, I know we've got, I know, I know we've got Dan Digger, but who else is there? 
I don't. I don't want to turn this into a game of guess the marquee player. We already had. We had poor reviews about it. What I want want to do is question the motives and like what the Northampton want to do, because if you want to win the Premiership, doing what you're doing ain't going to work. You need to spend some money, but if you don't think you can compete, can compete with Lansdowne and and Mr. Dyson or whatever, then just say, because rugby fans aren't football fans. If you just say, look, we want to compete for honours, but we're, the reality is we're going to be a mid-table team. One year we might get in the playoffs, one year we might not. Just level with us. But what we're doing at the moment, we've let our best player go and we've not replaced him. We've lost our second best player, Dylan Hartley, through retirement. With no clear succession plan, we're shitting through props like like someone's eating a bad curry and he's just passing them through. I don't, I don't really know. I just, I just want the club to be honest and just say, look, yeah, we, or just say, yeah, we've got our recruitment wrong. Do you think they're all prepared? Apart of me, again, when Saracens were relegated, I mooted about the point that the clubs will just be gearing themselves back up. And Saracens coming back up isn't a foregone conclusion with Elin, but it is a foregone conclusion, let's be honest. The only way Saracens don't come back up is you know, when they decide, if Elin are top of the league with two games to go and Saracens can't catch them, and all of a sudden they decide to promote two teams and, and then just cut it off there. But do you not think, do you, do you think it... it without saying the word ring fence, just said it, that, that all the teams are just kind of preparing for that now and just going, well, who cares? I don't know why, what, what we've been saying, talking about it for two years, why they don't just expand the premiership to 14 teams to fit with the other two leagues. Yeah. And just be done with the ring fencing because if you promoted Ealing, Saracens and one other, is anyone going to be bothered? And no. you just license it for five years. I don't know. Couldn't give a shit. But um, Ealing clearly have the funds and the resources to come up, but they can't yeah. because there's always a team that is just a little bit more financially viable than them. And that's probably because of the TV money. But if Ealing were given the uh, TV and, money... And the fact that they're part of the 13-team premiership conglomerate... Who are Ealing? No, the other 13 teams. Oh, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Ealing are the, the outlier at the moment, but that outlier has been... I call them a cartel, but Yeah, but, but, um, that, but that outlier has been, you know, it's Ealing at the moment because they're yeah. being good funds. But in the past, it has been the Pirates. It has my, been London. Yeah, my, Walsh, my, has preference, been... my preference would be to promote Ealing and Cornish, Cornish Pirates because the Southwest, I think it'd be good just for the game in general, for that area to have a premiership club. It would be incredible. Um, I, I can't see it happening because you, you put make the league in afford. They all want to ring fence it, but they want to ring fence it at 12 to protect their little bit of money. It would make sense. I don't understand why it hasn't even been discussed that 14 teams should happen. And like you say, if they could even put a three-year license on it. Yeah. It doesn't have to be five. They could just try it for three years and or see what happens. just do a playoff. Top of, the, top of the championship against the bottom of the premiership. 
yeah. at the Premiership Club's ground, then you really need to beat them, you know. And it'll ruin the Championship and it'll ruin the rugby pyramid. But the only other alternative, the only other viable alternative is a is a franchise-based super rugby system that nobody will watch. No. And nobody wants. Because much like franchise cricket in this country at the moment and the 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 hundred the ill fated hundred that never happened and you know may never happen who knows but fingers crossed how many how many people kind of bought into that not many and yes it it, it wasn't given a chance because of of the the pandemic but you know I still I don't think it would have taken off the way that the ECB thought it would which would be the same for for rugby it just wouldn't it wouldn't sit well with traditional rugby fans as a replacement for the traditional rugby season. I I, I also think that if you ring, we're, we're getting a, a look into the future of what ring fence rugby would be like with this. Yeah, yeah, I I think that's right, and and it it's it's not a very good look to the future, is it? No, but I said this in I, I, December I honestly, or whenever it was when it was all yeah. kicking off. I, I honestly believe that if you announced the squads before the ticket sale went on sale for some of these games, you wouldn't have many more people in the stands than what are there at the moment. Because it's glorified A-League. And how many yeah. people do you get turning up on a Monday evening for A-League? quid for the privilege. Yeah. Imagine, yeah. I mean, it's almost it's almost a, a bit of a get-out-of-jail-free for some of the clubs um, that is being played behind closed doors because it would have been embarrassing the amount of fans that actually turned up. Mm. I, th- I think so. I really do think so. London Irish, especially. <laughs> Well, we'll see what happens when they move to the the new Brentford Stadium. I don't even know when that's supposed to be ready, um, but that's that's a different thing. Um, in a little bit of news this week, you see Luther Burrell has uh, has left Wakefield. Is it Wakefield Trinity or whatever it? he was? Yeah, no, he's, he's left for uh, Warrington. Warrington, that's it. Warrington Wolves. Um, yeah, he's left. Whether it's by mutual consent or whatever, but he's yeah. he's. He's looking to to get back into rugby union. Um, By all accounts, he wasn't very good at rugby league from people who work on the rugby league. That oh, really? Are they re- he's yeah. a, I read. It, I read. He had. He played eight games or had eight starts or eight squad picks in the the year he was with Warrington, which kind of speaks volumes, isn't it? If you're a a fairly big star in union and you're only getting picked in the squad eight times, yeah, you'd think, hmm, okay, mate, yeah. Where could you uh, where could you see him landing? Back at Saints, Ealing. Ealing, interesting. Ealing, yeah, he's, a, he's got an Ealingy kind of player, isn't he? What, as in loves money, and no, uh, as in Premiership ability? Yeah, because that's what you're going to need to put, to even compete with Saracens. You're going to need 15 players that can play twice a season. It's in compete in the Premiership. I mean, if you look down at that bottom half of the table, like we like we were just looking at a second ago, um, like you could see him legitimately fitting in. Maybe not Gloucester, but Worcester, Leicester, London Irish. Worcester, Worcester don't Wentz. need him, man. They got Ollie Lawrence. That guy's really good. He yeah. is good, isn't he? Yeah, but yeah, you're right. You know, he could. But I, I, th- I like Doug's idea. I think he, he does. That does have an Ealing feel to it, doesn't it? You know, there once was a lady tra- from Ealing. Yeah, I, I get that feeling. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, he's, he's been off and tried something else. Sort of biggish name. You know, he would draw crowds in the um, championship, I'd imagine. But, you know, if, if he signed for Bristol, he ain't going to bring many bums through the door, is he? So, you know, I think that's that, that does have a ring of truth to it. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, any other rugby related news you wanna you wanna chat about? Anything that's that's going on? Uh just should we talk about the furore about that's being whipped up about Chris Boyd's comment about ugly girls being left on the wall or something that <laughs> I mean, McLaughlin seems to have taken offence to? Well, it, it's one of those comments. If only that, she had a platform to address it. Yeah. Well, like where where would you suggest she addressed it? Well, the next press conference that Chris Boyd hosts, maybe just ask him. Well, Chris, what did you mean by that? Yeah. Rather than out him as a misogynist yeah. on uh, on Twitter. But then then that's what Twitter's for, isn't it? Apparently, just people whipping up whipping up fury. Did um did we talk about the red card? Which, Which one, mate? Farrell. No, because that was last week and we didn't do a podcast last and, week. And what more needs to be said other than just he mistimed the tackle and got sent off for yeah. mistiming said tackle. And actually got fairly harshly dealt with in the sanctioning, I thought. Um, a five-week a five ban, which is actually a five-match ban because of the way they're playing the, the games at the moment. Um but you, it's it, you know when Piertau and Kitchener apparently throwing punch, larruping each other for want of a better phrase, or or having a a bit of a punch up, get three games each. It got, I got the feeling that Farrell was very much being singled out for stuff that he's not been punished for in the past. I don't know whether you thought that you know yeah, it, it's easy. Up. It's about time there's a punch thrown in the Premiership. It's a little bit. Uh... A little bit namby pamby in it at the moment. Yeah, it's no, a, you know, was it in the Leicester? Was it in the Saints game? Somebody said, "Oh, let's have it in the car park." Yeah, <laughs> and, oh, no, and loads of people kicked that. off. A, loads of people yeah. kicked off about no that. Place oh, for that in rugby, there is at every single game, every single game. I once played a game of football for RAF Wittering against RF Cottesmore and that was always a bit of a, a bit of a derby because there's two Harrier squadron bases just up the road from each other. It's always a bit of a dingle. And uh, I stood on a bloke's ankle as he got up after I tackled him. He said, if you do do that again, I'll, I'll hit you so many times you've been ambushed. You'll feel like you've been ambushed. <laughs> I was like, oh, whatever, you little. So anyway, I tackled him. You called time. him little? Yeah. Yeah. Well, he was, we were two fullbacks, mate, going at each other. We were two little aggro fullbacks. <laughs> And uh, so I did it again, and I stood in his ankle. And fair, fair play to him. He got up and he punched me about three times right on the chin. Yeah. Turned out he was like the RAF flyweight champion or something. I mean, obviously, I just stood there and you know took, took it. it. Yeah, we yeah. both got sent off. Uh, it's it's not the best sending off story you'll ever hear, though. I'm, people are bored. Story, people are bored <laughs> of that one. Well, um, what what annoyed me about the the Farrell thing is is. You know, I think it was a deserved red card for sure. I don't um, think I've seen anybody in the whole of the world who disagrees that it, it was uh, supposed to be a red card. I think yeah. like that, everybody that, knows it was a red card. That Everybody's all right a, with that. A red card in 1985, wouldn't it? It was it was a bad tackle, but you know there were people 
wanting him banned for six months. And, you know, I saw the phrase, this, this will put people off rugby. And it, it's like, no, it won't. Who's that going to put off rugby? People that don't like getting hit in the head, maybe. But yeah. they don't tend to play rugby, do they? It's like, I just thought there was a lot of overreactions, which, you know, obviously we're used to now. But, um, yeah, he's going to miss the uh, Leinster game. That's the only thing, because, you know, that, that could be a great game. I could, see. Could be a rotter as well, couldn't it? I, I think that for all of Saracen's like best players and the best team that they could put out on the pitch, the fact that none of them, none of them have really played any rugby for God knows how long. Well, nor of Leinster. Leinster have, have played a few games. They won the, the um, Pro 14. I don't know what sort of side they had out. Well, they, they win the Pro 14 by putting out teams that would, you know, like A-League teams. Let's have a look at the team they put out. Oh, that was was it the week? It must have been the weekend before last, or was it on Saturday? Saturday, wasn't it? Yeah. I'm just they beat Ulster twenty seven five. So Conan, Healy, Henshaw, Kelleher, Lama, Porter, Ringrose, Ryan, Toner, Van der Fleet. I mean, they had a they had a, a first team squad yeah. out that- that's a the, fair old team. That that back yeah. row is decent, isn't it? The week the week before, they know they're going to be playing Saracens, whereas Saracens are putting out people that literally I've never heard of. Um, and but that's the thing, you know. I don't think Saracens would have really stood a chance against Leinster anyway, especially in Leinster. Um, and with let's say Saracens' best players not playing any rugby whatsoever, it's it's too much to ask for them to just drop it into a, a, a one a one week game such as that. So the fact that Farrell is banned and, and won't be playing probably just turns it into a, a little bit more of an ass in. Yeah, I don't really care. I, I hate both the teams. <laughs> I hope they both lose. When is that? I thought that was this weekend, but it's not, it is, is it? this weekend, yeah. Oh, where's the where's the fixtures all fucking ballsed up? Because it's got Premiership rugby fixtures Saturday the nineteenth for the ninth, which is clearly isn't true unless oh. unless all, they must be postponed for another day. Um, so Northampton, you we we mentioned Northampton Exeter Leinster versus Saracens. Um, I fuck, I'm fucked if I can remember or be bothered who who's. Left in that, it's only extra I really care about in the Clare, Champions Cup. Clermonton, Racing, and Toulouse and Ulster. So, what we said, Toulouse, nobody cares about the other game, and then everybody hopes X to win. Yeah, I think pretty much, and that's everybody in the Premiership hoping X to win on well, Sunday. Especially, especially Saracens fans, they'll love it. <laughs> I can see, I can see the Saracens fans getting really, really behind Exeter in the weekend. Um, when they play Northampton, yeah. maybe the Rugby Saracens account will uh, will put on a, a an extra headdress, and they'll be doing the tomahawk chop all the way, chop all the way down, you know, down through the Allianz Arena. Don't say that. Or oh, Allianz Park. The Allianz Arena is by Munich, isn't it? That would be a bit weird. Um, right. Let's let's move on. Let's just get into some any other business. Um, Doug, why don't you kick us off in your travel tavern? Um, 
50 over cricket. I've done it before. I'm going to do it again. Um, it's just shit. <laughs> it goes on and on and on. Time, time to time to put it to start. Let's just go with twenty twenty and tests, and uh, everyone's happy. Hate fifty over cricket. Love money. Is that going to catch on as well? Yeah, as but I'm, hate I'm, tennis, love money. I'm I'm at the point of fifty over cricket where I don't love money enough. Oh, that's big. Yeah. I, so England were needed thirty off eight balls the other night. And um, Sam Billings got hit on the head by a, by a bouncer. Been on camera for eight and a half, nine hours. They need 30 off eight balls. We have a 10-minute break while Sam Billings gets a concussion check. Then the doctor goes off and Sam Billings decides that his grill's not sitting right on his helmet. So we have another five minutes while they fuck around with his helmet. They come out. Joffre Archer, because they've run a single... Toe ends one off the bottom of his bat, so they need 29 off five. Archer's broke his bat, so we'll have another few minutes while Archer gets another. You need 30 off, off five balls, lads. I don't care if your bat is actually a five millimeter howitzer cannon, it's not going <laughs> to score 30 runs. Just play with a broken bat, dude. Jesus. Or, or I'll, just borrow the other guys. Yeah. Owen Morgan, every second ball, has a conversation with his bowler, and they do one of two things. They either move mid on up or drop fine leg. And if fine Surely leg they back, do they do they not do that as a bit of like a soap on a rope? So if, if mid on goes if mid on goes back, fine leg yeah. comes up. So yeah, they're yeah. like they're like they're attached, like a pair of mittens. But, but and if you what? pull one end, the other end has to come in. But, but you know what? Let's um let's just knock it on the head more, because eh? you know what I mean. It's like when they come out for the first day of a test match and the first ball, they rather than just going to predetermined fielding positions, they'll have a chat about it. Why not just set your fielding positions before you go out? It's balls true. piss, mate. Absolutely balls my piss. And I, I can't I I I wouldn't understand I I just don't understand why people find it entertaining. I think when England are winning, and obviously the build-up to the World Cup and stuff, that that was entertaining. I uh, I personally could not give less of a shit about fifty over cricket. Now we won the World Cup. If we never win it again in my lifetime, not asked. Yeah, we've done it. Thanks very much. That'll do. Yeah, thanks on something different. Yeah, cool. Um, Ben, any other business from you? Um, yeah, I'll pr- just. Um, also, give my best wishes to Daryl. I wanted to get that one in there as well because uh, he's a great guy and I uh, hope he gets better really soon. Um, and also, thank you to everyone who sponsored Sarah for her sugar-free um, fundraising of the, for motor neurone disease. Um, didn't notice your names on there, you type buggers. But anyway. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I'm more hard of had to have known what you were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you so, yeah. it, you fool. <laughs> but um, yeah, thank you to um, everyone who did donate off the back of the mention last week. That was very generous. Thank you very much. Cool. Um, my other business, I have recently been watching the All or Nothing about Tottenham Hotspur. Um, I know these sporting documentaries get a lot of hype. Um, 
But if you haven't watched the All or Nothing series, which I'm sure most people have, like it, it, the behind the scenes, the the invasive camera stuff, the the, the it is the most. If you if you're a sports fan, it is the most incredible watching all of these documentaries. I think are, but I watched the one for Manchester City and Pep Guardiola is this tactical genius and everything is planned and everything has its place right down to the the minuscule detail. Um, it may surprise you, but with Tottenham, is completely the opposite. Jose Mourinho literally doesn't seem to have a tactical bone in his body. His management style is <clears throat> entirely based upon motivation and uh, buy-in from the players and stuff. And you don't see any, you don't see any tactical stuff. And, and maybe saying that uh, he doesn't have any tactical bones is, is a bit harsh. But you, the different styles of management. And that could be attributed to to all walks of life and all sports and stuff like that. But having and editing, and editing, yeah, obviously and editing. They they want it to look a certain way. I get it. But to see how he, uh, your Jose, operates in and around the the squad is is certainly interesting. And it, and it's interesting to to know that in the teams that he's managed before, how quickly it can all turn sour. Because if if he loses the dressing room then it doesn't seem like he has much more to back it up with. Like, tactically... I always thought, when, when he was Chelsea manager, they always went on about the binders for each opposition, mm. the, the stuff that he would have on each player's preferences and where to push them to force them into bad situations. And so I, I think that's purely down to editing. I don't think that's... And I think <laughs> there's a narrative around Guardiola that he's like this tactical genius, you know, um, wasn't so great last year, was he? No, um, but yeah, really enjoyable. And even as a Tottenham fan, it is uh, it's a it's a good watch. Um, the other thing I was going to say is I'm fucking sick to death of water breaks. Can we get <laughs> rid of them now, please? Like, no need. We're middle of September. We're not in the baking sunshine. Players do not need to stop every twenty minutes and have a drink. They don't need to do it. Just get on with the game. If it's a shit game, we don't want to be sitting there any longer. A bit like your uh, your cricket thing, Doug. Like having a discussion every ball. You don't need to do it. Don't need a water break. Just fucking get on with the game. It's Great. it is really really annoying at the moment. So uh, yeah, um, we did have a couple of questions that I meant to to bring up, but I won't now. I'll save them for another time, another discussion. Um, suffice to say that in in our fantasy rugby draft group, Eddie Stevens, who is one of the the funniest people I've talked to, um, he just he's just put in there. I want everyone to know that um, that I was a fan of Joe Rogan before anybody else was. I met him after a show ten years ago, and he called my wife on the phone and called her a bitch. Um, <laughs> also, I played rugby against Grant Mitchell about twenty years ago. He was good, but I sidestepped him, and he went flying like a cunt. So, <laughs> congratulations, Eddie. That is absolutely fantastic. For those of you that haven't listened, um, I was in Eddie's shed. I was in my shed while Eddie was in his house, weirdly, last week. And uh, that was an enjoyable experience as well. It was always good. We ended up talking about... shed off. Transatlantic. But we talked about some random stuff. Um, we talked about some rugby. And we also talked some utter shit, which you might expect if me and Eddie were, were left alone together. So, uh, yeah. Um, right, that's it. There's obviously European rugby this weekend, amongst other things, and uh, we might be back next week to talk about it if we're all still here alive. and uh, alive. I killed myself after the third ADI. 
<laughs> Doug isn't isn't found swinging by his camera cable off the stand at Old Trafford. Although we shouldn't be making jokes about that, really. Um, oh, well. Go well, people. We'll uh, catch up with you very soon. Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.